Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by Glass Ceilings. Did you get in your job because you believed your job would give you the opportunity to move up to a better job? Maybe you're, um, hmm, let me think here, a uh, 49ers position coach, for instance, and you think, hey, maybe this can lead to a coordinator job. Maybe I can become a coordinator somewhere. But little did you realize there was a glass ceiling. So if you're somebody that was like, no, I'm interested in being part of this glass ceiling. I don't want to move up. I want to have the illusion that I'm moving up, but I want this glass ceiling. That's great. But if you're one of those guys that's like, no, I want to be able to move up, damn it. This is why I took this job. Then guess what? That's not the opportunity you have here with the 49ers because you signed a contract, a two-year rolling contract, and you will finish this contract or you are not a San Francisco 49er. Now, Raymond, before we get started, why don't you let them know? Where can they find us? You can like us on facebook.com slash thegoldcast. And you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker, The Gold Cask. Like, subscribe, comment, because we like to hear from you. Yeah. All right. We got a big episode to unpack here. Lots of juicy moments with the 49ers in the offseason here. Very, very interesting stuff. Surprise moves. I was pretty surprised. Uh, Raymond, I'm dying to hear your thoughts. Of course, we also have this uh, Antonio Brown drama. One of our favorite listeners weighed in, sent us a message, and we're going to talk about that on this week's episode of the Goldcast. But if, as of course, as always, before we begin, we have to drop that Goldcast intro, baby. It's the best. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Goldcast. <laughs> Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host, Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! Here we go. Raymond, what a crazy week and a half it has been for our beautiful, amazing, unbelievable San Francisco 49ers. Check this out. Uh, The NFL has been busy, and they've been working hard to pick apart this 4-12 team. It's incredible for a team that has won so little games that the NFL sees the value in what's happening and is trying to pick apart our team. I cannot wait till this team is fully healthy and back next year, and I can't wait till we add these draft picks. I expect a lot of big things out of the 49ers, but before that, let's get into this. First of all, 49ers have released their defensive line coach, Jeff Zagonia. How do you say it? Jeff Zagonia, I think is how you pronounce it. Zagonia. Sounds like like a flower. Jeff Zagonia. They released their defensive line coach. Here's the thing. I'm going to start off with this first. We're going to go right there, and then we're going to go down the list. But here's the thing. Somebody had to pay, right, on defense, right? Somebody's head had to roll. Somebody, right? Somebody's head had to roll, and they did. Yeah, and they and they made all the indications that they were not going to part ways with um, Robert Sala. So I'm like, okay, well then, you've already fired the strength and conditioning coach because health is an issue, but performance is too. So somebody has to go. Somebody has to go, and it looks like Jeff Sagonia. It sounds like a beautiful flower. 
his last name, Jeff Zagonia. We also we also left our, our cornerbacks coach also left to coach college, so he's out of there too. So the so the two positions that struggled the most, being defensive line and secondary, those two coaching positions are gone, which is good. That's a good sign. It is a good sign, and I'll tell you what. Like I said, somebody's head had to roll, right? And since Robert Saul's head's not going to roll, somebody's head head had to roll, and it was at the defensive line. I'll tell you what. I kind of wish we could get Jim Tom Sula back. I know that's kind of he's actually he's a really good defensive line coach. If there's one, yeah, not cut out for the head coaching gig, but he was very good at his position. Yeah, and you were saying that you heard he's not too happy in Washington. No, there's a couple coaches that want out of Washington. They just I don't think they like the whole dynamic between you know ownership, front office, and head coach. Um, so they're like, kind of get me out of here. So I don't know if that means he'll come back to the team in that capacity. You know, because the the whole drama that existed with Jim Tonsula was really between uh, Trent Baalke and uh, Jed York. That kind of leapfrogged over Vic Fangio to give him the job, which, you know, obviously in retrospect, we all believe that Vic Fangio should have gotten the job, but now he's the head coach of Denver. So we knew it was going to happen. So I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. As, as long as he kept producing, you know, good defenses, he would eventually get a head coaching gig. That's just how it works. But with him, it's, um, I think I don't, because they're, because that relationship is gone, like Trent has gone, it's a new GM, it's a new head coach. The only thing that's, you know, that's the same is uh, the, the front office staff and of course ownership or some, most of the front office staff and ownership. So Prague Marate and Jed York, who he's familiar with. So I'm it's curious. I would, I would be totally open to having him back in there. I just wonder if, if the front office is, or, you know, more importantly, if Lynch and Shanahan, want him to join him in that capacity because he's really good at the, at that position and he's done he does great everywhere he goes because he's really good at that position and I think he'd be a perfect fit for the big boys that we've got that just can't seem to produce outside of DeForest Buckner so because something needs to happen obviously we Jeff Zagonia is gone he played 17 seasons couldn't didn't necessarily make an impact uh for the guys that we really need to contribute especially our high draft picks so somebody needs to come in you know I don't know if it's another seasoned player veteran turn coach or if it's perhaps a you know a, a reuniting with uh jim tom sula I, I would totally be down for that i would uh you know maybe we're just as far-fetched and we're just uh dreaming here this is just fantasy booking but it would be nice if uh jim tom sula formerly tim john sula is what we used to call him back when he was the coach here for any of you that remember he was that was, that name was coined by old man davis uh one of our old co-hosts for those of you, that's back in the day. That's like your trivia for the day for Goldcast Trivia. So let's go down the list though, Raymond. So as we know, this is the time of the year when coaches are getting fired left and right. Coaches are getting hired left and right. Oftentimes what people are doing is they're, they will often go to people's to teams, position coaches. They will take those coaches and then give them an opportunity to be coordinators somewhere else, most likely in brand new regimes, brand new head coaching staffs as they try to put together their front office, their coaching staffs before, as we head into this new year. So apart from the defensive line coach, which I'm with you, I think was a good firing. Someone's head had to roll, man. So we got that out of the way. Yeah. And the defensive back coach is out of there too. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they were going to let him go anyway. So the timing just kind of worked out where he got a college gig 
right at the end of the season and he took off and the Niners were like, please go do that. <laughs> <laughs> go do that, please. So here we go. Quarterbacks coach, Rich Scangarello. I love that last name, was blocked. Denver tried to interview him for the open offensive coordinator job. They asked permission from the San Francisco 49ers, and we said, listen, we will take your head of scouting and bring him over and bring him onto our team, but don't expect us to give that favor back. Screw you. You're not talking to Rich Scangarello. Rich Scangarello, to me, sounds like a Goodfellas villain. He sounds like his name was maybe Scam, Scamgarello. Or they're like, hey, yo, Rich, he's real good at scams. We're going to call you Scambarello. That's your name now, Scambarello. <laughs> yeah. Richie, Richie the Scam, Richie the Scam, Scangarello. This is Richie the Scam. Yeah, Scamgarello. He's got a lot of Scamgarello. This is Richie Scams. Richie Scams over here. <laughs> You're not going to pull any scams. You're not going to go talk to Denver and pull a scam. You're going to stay right here. Okay, you're going to stay right here. So you said you were surprised by this. I was surprised by it too. Surprised by the by the block, but not not surprised by the reasoning behind that. Even though the reasoning isn't necessarily disclosed, we can read between the lines to figure out why the Niners are blocking these interviews. But um, I was curious, like, what, what surprised you about it? Uh, exactly what surprised me about it is the same thing that surprised you. I was surprised that it was blocked. In fact, when I saw, the first one I saw was that the... Uh, Mike McDaniels, our run game coordinator, that some, I can't remember who, somebody had requested him to uh, to interview him for a position, maybe Cleveland? I can't remember, but I was like, whoa, oh man, here we go. Now our entire staff's going to get picked apart. And that's what usually I've seen happen a lot. And the 49ers have been pretty adamant. They're like, no, glass ceiling. You're not moving up here, punk. You move up when, you're, when your contract's over. So... Uh, Richie, Richie Rich, Scangarello. Hey, Scangarello, he was blocked. And then wide receivers coach Mike LaFleur, he was blocked from the Packers, which his brother Matt LaFleur from the Tennessee Titans, the offensive coordinator there, was now the head coach in Green Bay. He requested an interview, blocked him. Browns blocked them. Vikings blocked them. Uh, blocked all three teams. And then Mike McDaniels, our run game coordinator, was also blocked from interviewing with other teams. I was just surprised because we don't normally see that. No. And I was surprised. So I was. I really expected that the 49ers were going to be like, all right, we'll grant you the interview. They say yes. They take the job. I mean, obviously, Matt LaFleur, like he's not going to hire Mike LaFleur if it's like me and you. Hey, uh, I'd like to request an interview with uh, Raymond Solis. Yeah, I've looked at a lot of candidates. Uh, I mean, I have no guarantee that I'm going to hire Raymond. But uh, And then, of course, I hire you. Why would I not hire you? You're my brother. And I think it's it's kind of obvious why, right? You know, we're still developing – we're still trying to get into the tournament and start to contend for a playoff position, and so we're not we're not in where we haven't reached a you know a state of maturation where we can now start to jettison coach to better jobs because the team's doing better. So it's like no, you cannot you cannot get an uh, you cannot get a promotion until the team gets a promotion. We were still four and twelve. We're four and twelve. It's not like we we did great. <laughs> You know, right? Well, the, but the idea is we had we've had really good quarterback play despite all of the loss. You know, so in other words, our quarterback development is really good despite the circumstances because everyone who's come in has been able to, you know, say what you want about C.J. Beathard. There were a lot of moments for a young quarterback where he played really well, which is really hard to do in this league. And Nick Mullins was able to come out of nowhere and outperform him. 
you know, and now we have the development of, you know, our Italian stallion coming back next season to, to continue his maturation, which everyone is excited about, of course. And so the Niners are just like, no, you can't take our key. We still need these quarterbacks to develop because if something is to go wrong health-wise, they need to step in and perform. And we need we need the, the staff to be available to, to support them. And we also fired Jeff Ferguson. Jeff Ferguson was the head athletic trainer. So he spent 13 seasons with us. He's gone too, in addition to Ray Wright, who was the uh, head of strength and conditioning coach so we've let both of those staff members go because we had 22 players on ir last season in 2017 and 19 this past season so that's all uh i think it's 22 was six most in the nfl and last year we were 10th most ir players on the nfl and there's also there's a very familiar trend too if you look at all the teams that um that have lots of players on the ir they typically not doesn't, doesn't work out per the math isn't perfect but a lot of the teams with um IR injuries, a majority of IR injuries end up having losing records because um, you just, you know, no, no matter no amount of death is going to save you from, you know, having the most injuries in the NFL or being amongst among the most teams with injuries in the NFL. It's not going to do you any favors in terms of winning, winning and losing. So it's no surprise that we are top 10 past two seasons with IR injuries and we have, you know, dismal records to show for it. Um, but yeah, so uh, the, a lot of changes happening with the 49ers coaching staff. So I'm very curious who they get in the secondary and also curious who they bring in for the defensive line. And to a lesser degree, curious because whoever name, name comes in for, you know, for helping our team out health-wise, you know, I'm, I'm not going to know their background. I'm like, oh, that, that guy, he's from that famous gym. He should be a good fit. I'm not going to know who that is. But, but I'm just curious to see who they choose to bring back uh, – to work with the team for health. Cause that's clearly an issue. I'm curious too. That's a huge one. That's the number one, man. Uh, I thought we had solved this problem before. I really did. I thought we'd solve this problem, but clearly we haven't. And the injuries to this team, it's like every 20 minutes, someone goes down. I think someone just broke their ACL in the middle of this conversation. In fact, I think when we fired our strength and conditioning coach, I'm pretty sure he broke his ACL on the way out. He broke his ACL. He fell and broke his ACL. Ah, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Pretty sure he did too. Yeah. Jeff Ferguson got a compound fracture walking to the parking lot. Ray Wright tore his ACL, leaving the building that same day. So (laughs) things are bad. (laughs) Things are really bad. (laughs) Honestly, I was cheering for the team week 16. I tore my ACL. I'm pretty, I remember you tore your ACL first week. You were cheering. You tore your ACL. I mean, it's unbelievable. This is, there's injuries everywhere in this team. It's all over the place. Well, Ray, Ray Wright told, told, taught me how to cheer, but clearly it didn't work out in my favor because I, I tore my Achilles regardless. Was, so thanks a lot, Ray that Wright. That was a problem. We kept going to Ray Wright's strength and conditioning class, and then they, next thing you know, torn ACLs all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So, listen, that's gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you, 49 and Faithful, Goldcast Nation. If you've noticed, Ray Wright has strength and conditioning class has never sponsored this program because we believe in keeping the fans' ACLs healthy. And it, our, our sacrifice is your benefit. So you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Yes. So let's move on to this Antonio Brown drama. And a lot of people have talked about it. So I'm not going to – if you're listening to this, I'm assuming you know exactly what happened. Basically, I'll give you the quick rundown for the three people that have it. What? Antonio Brown? So Antonio Brown, George Kittle hit him up on Twitter. 
then uh, Antonio Brown liked it, and then Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo uh, liked it, and they all added each other, and then they added each other on Instagram, and then uh, AB put up a big post, like put a post of Jerry Rice, and then he requested to be traded, and then all of a sudden there was like, oh, is he trying to go to the San Francisco 49ers? It was about a 24-hour news cycle last week where you're around saying, oh, you know, the 49ers should be trading. Michael Irving, I believe, was the one who was saying the, the 49ers should trade their number one draft pick and get AB now. You need to pair Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan, and Antonio Brown together. And so that argument was kind of ad nauseum last week. So I want to bring something up, Raymond. This was a suggestion that Irish Niner fan, if you're not on Instagram, Irish Niner fan, he's a big, big fan. We got a lot of lot of diehards that come reach out. John Niner's like... Yeah, actually, shout out to the Irish Niner fan. He's the one who shared the uh, Jeff Sagonia news with me um, over the week. Yeah, so Irish Niner fan and I were going back and forth. And this was his suggestion and i thought it was good enough that it was good enough to to talk about on the goldcast so here's what irish niner said he said here's what he said he said if we have to give a first round pick for antonio brown then give away next year's which will hopefully be a lot lower down the draft maybe do a trade with solomon thomas as ab is a 60 million dollar liability to anyone trading for him unless parag works his magic again so he was saying you know, because I, I said, look, he's like, you know, we should definitely trade for him. I go, yeah, but they're going to want draft picks. They're probably going to want, they're legitimately and justifiably, they're going to want a first-round draft pick. We need a pass rusher in this draft. We need one bad. That is takes precedent over getting Antonio Brown. And he goes, yeah. So what I'm thinking is, he goes, what about, what if we sent them Solomon Thomas and next year's, the following year's first-round draft pick? How do you feel about that trade? It's actually not bad. I mean, I don't. I Pittsburgh will obviously ask for more than just that. You know, it won't be enough for next year's first round. But I mean, in terms of just like initially, like I think, I think those two items could be part of the pack, the whole package that you end up giving to Pittsburgh. But I don't think we could, we would get away with just next year's first round pick and Solomon Thomas. That won't satisfy the Pittsburgh Steelers. You're, you're giving up a Hall of Fame wide receiver. What do you think they would want? They want multiple draft picks, so you've you've either a first round and a second round, or two first rounds, or something like that, or or uh, you know a third or fifth round, something like that, and a player or cash. You can do cash. You can do cash compensation too. So I'm not sure. I mean, AB's thirty. You know what I mean? So who, whatever team gets them, if it is us, you know, we're going to be getting a guy that's technically entering the phase of his career where everything starts to to dip. You know, production starts to go down. Although you know, with how he's played. Before he, before he, um, this last season, how he played looks very healthy and capable. Um, he looks, he looks like he's still able to perform at a pretty high level. So I'm, so in other words, like I'm, I'm not too worried about his age, but it is something to take into consideration, and would be a different. It, he would call, he would be at a different cost than say OBJ, who's younger, which means that you're getting a longer term investment. Um, from that player than you would AB. Yeah, just so much drama with OBJ. So much drama. I mean, Antonio Brown. I, they're, hey. they're they're both they're both. I mean, you know, wide receivers. Ever since I feel like ever since To, you know, they've all kind of if they if they become really good, they end up becoming big divas for some reason. I don't still I don't know what it is about that position. I was gonna say, stop me if you've heard if you've heard this before, but uh, um, uh, uh, X. You know, X named wide receiver is very dramatic and divish and expects all the attention all the time. Uh, you know, 
Wow, what a shock. <laughs> Stop the presses. This yeah. never happens. Wow, never heard of that story before. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very new to the league. It's uh, I think it's carried over from the NBA or something. I'm not sure where it's coming from but uh but yeah um and it's funny because so the Niners you know we have we're credited with having the most influential head coach in in NFL history being the Bill Walsh and then we're but we're also credited for some of the negativities too so (laughs) T.O. is one of the pioneers of the uh, wide receiver diva persona um so uh, we we I guess we'll take we got to take the good with the bad you know take the bad we got to take the bad with the good too so that's just just the price to pay heavy Heavy is the crown, right? <laughs> Heavy is the crown. I was going to say uh, it's um, – and I feel like he was like a blown-out, exaggerated version of Jerry Rice. Like Jerry Rice earned his position in the 49ers, and he was just so uh, so transcendental, just, just above, and just, you know, obviously the greatest wide receiver that's ever lived. He's the GOAT. No one even compares – to his accolades and I think that there was a lot that he was just treated completely different and I think T.O. was like well I should be treated that way and just assumed that he didn't really think about why Jerry Rice was treated that way and just assumed he should he was just entitled to something Jerry Rice earned it and was never he was never a diva I mean he was good and he was confident but he never he was never the overtly cocky wide receiver type you know I mean there was moments he he earned all of his boasting because he he had performed and earned, and earned that right, you know. I mean, that the, they were so let's let like uh, Andre Risen, I think was the most cocky of, of that group. Chris Carter was probably up there too, but I mean, the there was Randy Moss and To um, that that really kind of took it to another level when they came into the league and then kind of started a chain reaction. You know, they, they were the ones that took. Um, you know, or To was one that took exaggerated celebrations that really kind of put that into the fold. You know, there was there was mild versions of that with you know the Dion shuffle, which was totally fine. But To, you know, always had to come up with a new one that he would bring out each game, and and that now it's become a thing where it's allowed. It, it was at first it was first it was a, a rule where you couldn't do it. Then they brought it back and said, ah, just let him do it. And now every team has some stupid celebration that they do, even for play even for like interceptions the team will intercept and then the whole defense will go like run on the opposite side of the field and like pose for a picture it's, it's actually i think it's really stupid but um but whatever as, as long as they're having fun I, I guess it doesn't matter i like it sorry i think it's good i think yeah. it's good marketing it really just comes down to marketing they're doing it so that they're 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 doing it for the gif they're doing it for the highlight they're doing it for the twitter uh the twitter image capture you know right. it's right it, it all it all helps the nfl at the end of the day regardless of how silly it looks. Speaking of the NFL, we had the divisional round. I don't know about the Gold Cast Nation or even you, Ray, but the divisional round of NFL playoffs is my favorite weekend. It is the best of the best, all going against each other, and there's still a lot of games. We had four games, and it's just the best of the best, and it is, man, we are fighting and clawing. Unfortunately, this weekend, literally, we got nothing but blowouts and then a riveting, awesome final game, which I knew it was going to be Philadelphia at New Orleans. What did you think of the sighted games this weekend, though? I want to hear from the greatest panelists in the game. Well, I actually like both the first two weeks of the playoffs. And the main reason is because we get football on Saturday. So it's great. You know, normally college rules Saturday. Um, for most of the season, but when it comes playoff time, you know, amateurs sit down, pros stand up. Um, and so I love it in that, in the regard that we get 
games on Saturday, which is awesome. We get two games, too. Two games last Saturday, two games this Saturday. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I went one and three with my picks last week, and I went three and one with my picks this week. I think because this week, I think this is where, you know, the, the wild card, I think it, they were all close games last week. They were all decided by one possession, and that was because that was indicative of, like, the skill levels were very similar between the teams. But now you go to division round where there's a greater disparity between the teams you know you have top seeds versus you know mid 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 seeds and or and, and below so i think all of the top seeds this week uh really kind of came out and said like we're the top seed so basically the one and two seed won every game this week this weekend so all the top seeds won la won kc won new england won and new orleans won um, albeit New Orleans and Philadelphia was a really close game because I thought Philadelphia brought the same defensive effort that they brought uh, that they played against Chicago. But I thought, like we were in our text thread, that the difference would really come down to uh, quarterback play because Chicago has a serviceable quarterback, a young serviceable quarterback. But if that same effort against a Drew Brees would not is not going to result in 16 points, it just won't. So it, it can't, especially when he's at home too. So. Um, the, the only one I got wrong was Casey and Indianapolis. I thought the offensive line of Indianapolis is the best in the NFL. And I thought that they would play that, but they just got manhandled by Kansas city, uh, for D Ford, Justin Houston. They just manhandled them all day, pushed him around. They couldn't establish the run. Luck was running for his life. He got sacked all, all day long. So it was just, uh, they just, you, you do that. You're going to win. If they can do that to new England, then, you know, they can easily take Tom Brady out of the picture, but, uh, you know, it's kind of a wait and see. But, uh, but yeah, I like it. I like both weekends. Uh, I don't really have a favorite. You know, next weekend, we is my. It's, it's fun because it's a championship, but it's like, oh, no games on Saturday anymore. So that's the only thing that kind of bums me out about it. But other than that, I, I think I like both weekends. So I like both weekends. I'm going to say this, though. The championship Sunday, championship Sunday, it haunts my nightmares, as we know. As has been well documented here on the Goldcast, but a reminder because it's probably been a year since I've talked about it. The 49ers have lost more NFC championships than any other football team in history because we are always one game away from the <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl. We are competing. We are competing more than anybody That's else. Right. We're always right there. Even though there might have been over a decade between our three this year and our last last appearances. That doesn't matter. Uh the I've seen us lose so many NFC championships. I've seen so many. I have like PTSD. Championship weekend. I'm like, I'm like, I feel bad for all the teams. Like, I feel really bad. You got to go to championship Sunday. It's just so rough. It's just so hard. You're so close. You're right there. You're right there. Uh, and it just, it, to see, to see teams get so close and then to lose. I mean, definitely like with, you know, when you see a team like the Patriots, you're like, <laughs> that one's great. That one feels like when you when you when you graduate from college, or when you when you um, announce an engagement party, or your birthday, or Christmas opening presents on Christmas Day. There's just something very very celebratory when New England gets knocked out. And I I hope Casey is able to do it next weekend. My gut wants to say no, but if Casey does exactly what they did to New England, if they if what they did to Indianapolis, they carry that over because they get to stay at home, which is great, and they do that to New England, then yes, they will win the game. I, I will guarantee it. If they play the same way, they will win the game. 
Let's get into that, Raymond. Let's let's make our picks. We've got we've got New England at Kansas City. We have the douchebag Los Angeles Rams at New Orleans New Orleans Saints. Who do you got in these final two games? Uh, I'm going to go more for the um I mean, this last weekend I was pretty analytical about my picks, and this weekend I'm, I think I'm, uh, there's going to be a little bit more bias, emotion involved. Uh, but that's the fun. That's the fun part about football and predictions. You know, it doesn't always have to be overtly analytical. Um, so for me, I think Casey at home with that defensive front playing as well as they did this past weekend, um, I'm expecting them to do this, perform the same. Similarly, D Ford, Justin Houston, and company; those guys should be able to. Um, duplicate that against New England and because this is the offensive line coming in from New England isn't as good as Indianapolis so and they they played really well today against um against Indianapolis but Indianap Indiana I mean um they played really well against uh, the Chargers but the Chargers pass rush is not as formidable as Kansas City so Kansas City has three about three guys with uh that that can get to the quarterback that are that you know that two of them are in double digits and Justin Houston has nine so I think it's a tougher task and they're going to be able to, if they can hold the run, it doesn't matter if you make Tom Brady one dimensional, he's still capable of beating you because he's that good. So it's not going to be enough to just take the run away from new England. They're going to have to also disrupt Tom Brady's uh, pass timing, his, his, his rhythm. So if they can do that the same way they did it to Andrew Luck, then they've got this game in the bag. And for the other game, really new new Orleans and LA new Orleans has had kind of LA's number all year. Um, they won the tiebreaker to get the first seed. So, and they're at home, and the defense played really good today against Philadelphia. Philadelphia doesn't have as potent as an offense as LA Rams. I mean, let's be honest about that. But if they put that forth that same effort, you can get to you can get to Jared Goff. Jared Goff did not light up the scoreboard, the stat sheet. Uh, against Dallas that was a running effort and you can tell that they they ran the ball they they depended on the run to help support Jared Goff's effort to getting to the win it wasn't we're gonna throw the ball and put the put the game in Jared Goff's hands and then running will come second you know he's not that quarterback he just isn't you know he's he's good and he's put up good numbers under Sean McVay but this is not to me in my opinion um you know sorry Louis B but Jared Goff is not an elite quarterback not not by a long shot. He just does very well in that system. And he has good weapons around him that make him look good. But he does not make... He's not the type of quarterback that makes other players better. It's more the reverse. Um, which is not a bad thing because he's been very successful there. But I think that if... Because it's going to come down... Both defenses are probably going to play really well against one another in New Orleans. But if that's the case, then it's going to come down to quarterback play. And if I had to take my so the same prediction I made with Philadelphia and New Orleans, I'm making for the New Orleans and Rams games. So if the defensive effort comes in there and really shuts them down, shuts them down, and we're going to have to depend on either Jared Goff to to come out and carry the Rams or Drew Brees to carry New Orleans, I'm going to go with Drew Brees every time. So for me, I'm going Casey and New Orleans. Ooh, I am going to go New England. Because I don't trust Andy Reid. I didn't. I didn't trust him last, or I didn't trust him this week. But he proved me wrong. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna take another bet, and I'm gonna say, "All right, let's let's see you. Let's see you prove it." Then let let me say this. 
I want nothing more than to be wrong on this first pick. I want nothing more than to be wrong. So if Kansas City wins, I will gladly eat that crow with a bunch of mustard on it because I want, I want New England to lose. I just do not trust Andy Reid against Bill Belichick in the AFC freaking championship at home. I don't trust him. He has not earned that respect. New England has earned that respect. I'm going New England. Same thing. I'm going emotions. I'm not really paying attention to this. I'm not paying attention to all of the nitty gritty. As far as the second game, I agree. New Orleans at home. I didn't think Philly played that great. They didn't score their first touchdown to the last five minutes of the game. Uh, Nick Foles threw two interceptions. I was like, if they do this game, if they play this exact same game against New Orleans, they are done. They they put up the the same. They they actually scored one less point than they did a weekend ago against Chicago. That's my point. And and they got lucky. Then and that was a fluke. They they iced the kicker, and that's how they won. They didn't win. They didn't win by dominating. They they dominated defensively, but it came down to quarterback play. And Nick Foles is a better quarterback than. Uh, What's his name? Mitchell Tabriski. So if you had to bet on one of the two, I'm going to bet with you know Nick Foles, even though they they barely won. They barely won that game. But I didn't. That wasn't convincing enough for me. So that's why I'm like, now you're going to go in the dome against Drew Brees. Yeah, good luck. If if you put up that second effort, which they did, it's not going to equate to 15 points, which it did not. You know, Michael Thomas torched them. He amounted for half of half of Drew Brees' passing yards was on Michael Thomas alone. I kept thinking about what the fantasy numbers would have been <laughs> during these this couple. Of Did you? For 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 I would have I would have had monster scores with Gurley's performance, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas. Those were all my guys. Melvin Gordon, I think, didn't didn't have a great game. Um, he, he probably would have underperformed, but other than that, I would have had a I would have had a killer game. <laughs> I still had those guys. <laughs> Yeah, it was great. So I pulled up the sports book Vegas here. Vegas says New Orleans by three and a half. Kansas City by three. So uh, Vegas believes in the home dogs. They believe in the home dogs. That's what they think. They think the home dogs are going to do it. It's one versus twos right now. And I, I feel like the ones have a – New Orleans is more – I feel more confident in that pick than I do the Kansas City pick. I feel like New Orleans really kind of is the most balanced team left out of this top four. Um, you know, the Rams have – their defense has been very inconsistent despite having so many all-stars on that cast. Um, but for whatever reason – Wade Phillips hasn't got them to kind of gel the way everyone expected them to gel. They've had moments, you know, Aaron Donald's been very consistent and will most likely get defensive player of the year again. I would be very surprised if he didn't. But other than that, they don't play. New Orleans is is the most balanced team. So that's why I feel really, and they're at home and they play great at home. And even if they're, if they slow them down, you got to deal with Ingram, Kamara, Thomas, even Ted Ginn Jr. is back. So he's not, he's, not quite the same player he used to be, but he's still a threat. So, you know, if you good luck trying to take away some of those weapons, you know, I think New Orleans will have an easier time because it's like it's a it's a more simpler game plan, right? So the idea is you stop Gurley, you stop the Rams. You know, that's that's kind of what the, the game plan needs to be tailored around because Jared Goff will not be able to beat them with his arm. Nope. I look forward to both games. These are going to be great. Raymond says Kansas City, New Orleans. I say New England. New Orleans, we're going to find out. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. And, of course, we'll always have more Niner news. And we will now slowly begin the journey 
into Warriors season. I'm so excited. Drama filled year. Yeah, they won tonight. They beat the they beat the Mavericks. So uh, Harrison Barnes still over. They've there. had a great stride. They're really finding their stride. I'm not worried. Are you are are you? you actually worried? I'm not worried. No, I mean, they look a little bit more vulnerable this season. I think a lot of people kind of, uh, I, I agree with a lot of the consensus that's out there, which is like the league has finally caught up to the Warriors, which is why they look just like uh, they still are, are the team to beat. You know, obviously they're defending the title this year because they won it. But at the same time, they just look like, you know, the top seed, but they're not running away with it like they have the past like six or four, four seasons. Um, and that's because the rest of the league has finally caught up to them. But they're still a threat, and when Boogie comes back, it's going to add a whole nother wrinkle into the offense and the defense, for that matter. I mean, Curry torched the Mavericks tonight, 48 points, 11 threes. So he's, he's, he carried them because Dallas was threatening to win at the, in, within the last two minutes of, of regulation. And Curry, uh, you know, I think Curry, Curry bailed him out and uh, played like a, an MVP. So yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into more of that now that we're you know sports are gone. You know, baseball still kind of you know Giants are kind of rebuilding with their new GM, and the Niners are still rebuilding too. So we're gonna see how how that's gonna work. But uh, in the meantime, it's uh, it's it's gonna be Warriors time in the coming weeks. Hell yeah, Raymond. Before we go, why don't you let them know where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, it's at Ray Solis, and on Instagram, it's at Ray Solis one. That's where uh, that, that, that's where Irish Niner fan talks to me. He talks to me on uh, Instagram, and I don't know. Um, no one specifically talks to me on Twitter per se, but Dante Whitner does follow me on Twitter, so we are connected on Twitter, and uh, I'm hoping to talk some more. It, it was a recent connection that him and I have made, so we're hoping to get some get some football talk from a very good football mind. You know, uh, hey, maybe him coming in. I know he has aspirations of coaching. Maybe him coming in as a secondary coach. He was a three time Pro Bowler, so he has the the player resume. But you know, have to see if that can translate into a coaching job <clears throat> wow i like that one good one nice little hot tick at the end race sizzling you can find me on twitter and instagram twitter at rudy solis 3rd on instagram rudy solis 3 i got a lot of people that reach out to me andy laird's a big guy uh, also over from the uk yeah he reaches out to me a lot we talk a lot of 49ers over there irish niner fan big shout out if you don't find go on instagram and add irish niners fan he he does a lot of stuff it's just awesome for how far away he is how dedicated this is a die hard niners fan and we talk a lot and hey he sparked that whole conversation that we had about antonio brown today which i thought was a great one yeah i really wanted to add that and so thank you for your contribution you can always hit us up on youtube and facebook drop some comments we love talking to you guys and yeah more than more than how you throw something good like that we'll throw it up here so concludes another edition of the gold cast we are the voice of the bay i'm your host rudy Solis the third and with me is my brother my co-host raymond Solis the first baby boom we'll see you next time same gold cast time same gold cast channel this is, is the gold cast